Masataka Yoshida certainly made an impression on the Boston Red Sox in 2023, but what does the future hold for him? Tune into today's episode of Locked On Red Sox, where I break down all of his 2023 season and talk about what it means for 2024. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Red Sox, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gabby Hurlbut, former ESPN social media associate and current host of the Boston Balling Podcast. And I'm here to bring you the latest in all things Boston Red Sox straight to your feed Monday through Friday for free. If it's free, you might as well listen. Thank you for making the show your first listen of every day. And don't forget, you can also download the SiriusXM app where you can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single game or even a single pitch if you don't want to. So definitely download the app and search Red Sox and the home broadcast of every game will be there for your convenience so that if you're traveling or you can't sit and watch the game for the full three hours or two and a half, if you say the pitch clock really makes that much of a difference, then that app has you covered. So download it today. Thank you for tuning in once again to Locked on Red Sox. As always, the 2023 season may have been a season of question marks for many players, but one player who came in and fans didn't know what to expect from him was Masataka Yoshida. Obviously, he was coming from the Japanese League. There wasn't a whole lot of expectations there in terms of what he can and can't do ability-wise because it's hard to really know if somebody's skills are going to translate. So coming into the organization, I expected him to have some growing pains. I expected there to be a season where he was very slumpy, was going through periods where maybe for a few games he gets on a hot streak and is pretty heavily relying on those streaks to fuel his numbers and increase his value. Um, And then he'd go back into this limbo mode of struggling and maybe elevating a little bit and then going back down and not really being able to maintain a consistent level of dominance. However, he came in And he was better than I thought in terms of his ability to adjust to playing Major League Baseball in this country. One advantage that you have when you come from another league or you're a rookie who has been through the system but hasn't played in a Major League game yet is that opposing pitchers are unfamiliar with you and your style and what you do. And when it came to Yoshida, pitchers in Major League Baseball had not seen him before. So for them, it was hard to know what types of pitches they should and shouldn't be throwing to him. And there was what felt like more of an adjustment period for them than there certainly was for him. He seemed to come in, welcome being in Boston with open arms, and take every day in stride. And 
even from the beginning of the season, he was making his mark at the plate. Now, a lot of reports on him and videos from him playing in Japan showed and indicated that he wasn't always the best defender. He struggled to make the key plays when he needed to. And from a defensive standpoint in an outfield that was already pretty shaky to begin with going into the 2023 season, I worried about that seriously coming back to bite the Red Sox and him. Defense was certainly not his strength, but overall, if you would ask me if Masataka Yoshida exceeded my expectations for the 2023 season, I would say yes. A lot of people had high expectations for him coming in because he was very hyped up by the Boston media, hyped up by people across baseball in general who had seen a lot of footage of him playing in his past league and got excited about his potential because of that. The Red Sox were in a period of time where they hadn't made a lot of big moves in free agency last year. And fans were hoping for something to get excited about. And when the team signed Yoshida, it seems like that provided that kind of excitement that fans were looking for. Because when Heim Bloom was in charge, the Red Sox were making a lot of lower risk moves, signing guys that they could commit to for a year at a lower cost. And then if it didn't work out, then they would move on and bring in somebody else. But it was almost like they were afraid to commit to a lot of these longer term deals where players are here for multiple years. And then and they went and they brought in Trevor Story. And he obviously has had trouble staying healthy since he came in. But when they signed him, it gave me hope that the Red Sox are capable of and willing to sign guys to longer contracts. So with Masataka Yoshida, he was the next one. And reports came out that he was signing with the Boston Red Sox on a multi-year deal. And that to me was a little bit risky because I said, how do they know for sure that his skills are going to translate over? Obviously, sometimes they see something completely different. These people who scout these players for a long time and know what to specifically look for are obviously going to have a much better understanding than the average fan of what these players can provide and what their upside is and what their weaknesses are. And the Red Sox obviously saw something in him that they liked. So they decided to commit to him for a longer term deal, which they kind of had to do because I don't think he would have settled for going somewhere that was offering him a shorter one-year deal because he was really uprooting his life playing baseball in a completely different league than he's used to. And that could be a cultural adjustment for people as well if you're not used to being in and living in that area. So it's a big ask for somebody like him to come all the way here. And if I'm him, I'm not making that relocation and moving all the way to another location in another country unless I know that I'm there to stay for a while, because there's really no point in moving all the way somewhere 
for a one-year deal. So the Red Sox knew what they had to do in order to get him in Boston. The upsides they saw were more about his offense than his defense. They liked his ability to crush home runs in the Japanese league, and they felt like he could provide value in a variety of capacities for this Boston Red Sox team. And when you bring in somebody like that, if they're very good in one league, the chances of them being very bad are slim because you already know they have a lot of the skills. It's just a matter of everything else that comes with making that type of adjustment. Emotionally, what is it doing for the player? How are the pitchers they're seeing in Major League Baseball different from the pitchers they saw in the Japanese League in terms of their approach to the game? So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. So you don't really know, but that goes with anything else. You could sign a player that has had years of success with another team, and then they just don't work out in Boston because it's just not the environment for them. So anytime you sign a player, there is risk involved, but I think that risk was amplified a little bit more by signing Yoshida. So my expectations were about middle of the road when he came in, but he exceeded those expectations and coming up, I'm going to tell you how he exceeded those expectations and really what his 2023 season looked like. Are you looking to get yourself into sports betting? FanDuel can have you covered with all different types of bets if you're looking for a variety of opportunities to win. That can hook you up with major deals and a lot of different types of props and bets that you can make so that you can walk away with a lot of money at the end of the day. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. One of my favorite things about FanDuel is that they make it a lot harder to lose than they do to win. There are bets you can make that are a lot riskier, which usually are the ones where you can make more money because, again, you're taking more of a risk by making those bets. They're more specific or less likely to happen. Like if you take an underdog in a game when the other team is heavily favored, you're going to win more money than if you pick the team that is expected to win. Or um, in the NBA, some of the best players in the league, if you think they're going to hit 20 points that day, which a lot of the times they do, you can make that bet automatically and win a lot of money. So even if you're new to sports betting, FanDuel tries to make it as less overwhelming as possible. Um, so they have a variety of options for that reason. And if you're not great with following the trends in a certain sport, if there is a sport that you know better or enjoy following better, then you can stick to that sport and be able to make fun bets based on that sport alone. So head to FanDuel today and download the app. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Also, don't forget to download the SiriusXM app. It is the offseason now, obviously. We're paying attention to all of the free agency moves now that it is officially that time and all the craziness is beginning. 
But when the season does start, you might want another resource to get games. If you can't sit and watch the game on your TV and don't have time to do that for every game every single day, which is totally normal and reasonable, then you should download the SiriusXM app because you can actually get the home broadcast that you can listen to straight to your phone so you don't have to miss a single pitch. So if you still want to live vicariously through the Boston Red Sox and you don't want to miss a single pitch, that app has you covered. So download SiriusXM today. Masataka Yoshida has had an interesting start to his major league career. He started off very, very strong, then went down a little bit, and then went back up. And some people say when he went down, it was him coming back to earth, but I think it was just him having that midseason struggle because it's a long season. Every player is going to go through slumps. I saw it more as one of those. Is there room for improvement? Absolutely. There always is with any player. People were under the impression when the Red Sox signed Yoshida that he was a power hitter, that he was going to come in and just hit a lot of home runs, not be able to do as much else at the plate. And that was what he was known for, was just crushing them over the fence. And sure, he had his fair share of home runs that he hit in 2023 with 15, but that is an overly high And it's not the number of home runs you would expect from somebody you associate to be a home run hitter. He had a 289 batting average with 72 RBIs and eight stolen bases. He also added a 338 on base percentage and 445 slugging to those numbers. So he was putting up impressive numbers on the base paths and being able to make singles be doubles sometimes or steal a base or have productive opportunities when he got himself on base. In terms of his ability to show raw power, his ISO for 2023 was 0.156. ISO basically measures the raw power of a hitter by taking only extra base hits and the type of extra base hit into account. So for example, if a player goes one for five with a double, that player would have an ISO of 200 because it was a double and they only hit one. So by his ISO being 156, that shows that he isn't overly powerful at the plate. He was hitting quite a few singles and every once in a while, a double here and there, but he wasn't always hitting the ball hard enough to make contact and create extra bases out of it. So he actually isn't a power hitter. He's been more of a contact hitter for the Red Sox in 2023. Whether you wanted that or wanted him to be more of a home run hitter, it never can be a downside to be more of a contact hitter because hitters who try to go for the long ball all the time are also going to be the hitters who strike out a lot because they're not as amped up on their plate discipline and they're not really trying to utilize the at-bat as wisely. They don't want to take walks because they want to crush one over the fence. So a lot of times you'll find that those can be more impatient hitters. Yoshida was pretty patient at the plate. In terms of his plate discipline, he 
swung at only 29.3% of pitches outside the strike zone compared to swinging at 59.9% of pitches in the zone. So that created an overall swing percentage of 43.3. So it's not like he was swinging an excessive amount at pitches he shouldn't have been swinging at. He was pretty good with that pitch selection of identifying when he should swing and when he shouldn't. So overall, his contact percentage was an 83.1%, which is very good. He finds a way to make contact with 73.4% of pitches out of the zone and 88.7% of pitches in the zone. You want those numbers to be high because that shows that he's making contacts a lot and that'll throw opposing pitchers off that have to face him when they are on the mound because they're going to say, well, no matter where I place this ball, even if it's outside the strike zone, there's still a good chance that he hits it. So you want to be like that. And he's created this sense of I can hit that even if it's outside the zone. One thing he absolutely needs to work on going into the 2024 season is the types of pitches that he is able to hit. His fastball percentage in 2023 was a 48.0%. So he was able to hit and make contact with a lot of those fastballs. However, the other pitches that were being thrown to him, he had far less of a success rate. For a slider, he had an 18.3% success rate. With a curveball, it was a mere 10.7%. And with a changeup, it was a 13.2%. 2%. He needs to learn to hit these other types of pitches because the more pitchers that start to catch up on the fact that he hits fastballs very well, but hasn't been able to successfully hit as many sliders or curveballs or knuckleballs, um, the more they're just going to start throwing those pitches and then he's not going to be able to find success at the plate. Why would a pitcher keep throwing fastballs to him all the time when they know that's the only pitch that he can hit well successfully on a consistent basis? And why would they risk pitching to him a pitch that he can just absolutely launch one into the universe? So he needs to figure out how to get more acclimated and comfortable with swinging at other types of pitches besides the fastball. That was my biggest critique of Masataka Yoshida's plate appearances in 2023. And during his little bit of a slump in the middle of the season, one of the reasons to me why he had that slump was because pitchers were starting to figure out that he only really feels comfortable hitting fastballs. So by being like that, it makes opposing pitchers more confident in being able to pitch to you because they can pitch literally any other type of pitch and they'll be fine. From a fielding standpoint, he needs work. He definitely is not the best fielder. He's not the worst that I've ever seen, but he's not the best. Um, Primarily played in left field and had a 977 fielding percentage, which overall isn't bad, but it came at the most inopportune times when he would make his mistakes. 
when they needed him to make a big play was when he would make mistakes in the outfield and it would cost the Red Sox some runs. So it's that opportune fielding that he needs to get better with and being more consistent no matter what the situation is that he's fielding for. If he can get that fielding percentage up and start to grow more confident in himself in left field, then he'll be a very marketable member of the Boston Red Sox to the point where he's contributing in multiple capacities and it'll make it harder for the Red Sox to feel like they need or want to get rid of him in the near future because there have been talks that the Red Sox maybe move him to DH or just trade him eventually. I don't think either of those will happen right away, especially with the money they just gave him for this contract. So I think they're going to try to make it work with left field for as long as they can. And then eventually, maybe towards the end of his contract, he becomes primarily a DH. So that's up to the Red Sox, but he needs to work on his fielding because they need him in left field. And once they figure out how the outfield situation is going to shape out for 2024, we'll know how much time in the field he's going to be playing. So overall, his 2023 season was good. But what will his 2024 season look like? That's coming up next. Don't forget that Lockdown Red Sox is available to you on any podcast platform for free. A new episode Monday through Friday, especially right now when free agency is really just opening up. So I expect a lot of action to take place over the next couple months. And it'll be interesting to see come the end of this year and the holidays what the Red Sox roster looks like. Because I anticipate there's going to be some key names that end up getting traded and some key pieces to the puzzle that the Red Sox feel might not be a piece to the puzzle long term. So you won't want to miss an episode when I talk all things free agency. So be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to Locked on Red Sox. Tell your friends, tell your family, and also don't forget that there are a lot of other Locked On shows that you can subscribe to, whether that's Locked On Celtics, Locked On Bruins, Locked On Patriots, Locked On MLB. Locked On MLB is a great show because it really gives you a good general overview into what's going on across the league. And especially right now during free agency, if a team makes a move and you want to know how it might impact that team, Locked on MLB has you covered because honestly, it's hard to keep track of what every single team is doing and you want to know how your team stacks up to other teams heading into the following season. So if you want to know more, check out Locked on MLB and also download the SiriusXM app. You can get the home broadcast of every Red Sox game for free to be able to listen to it when you can't watch the game live in full. So I highly recommend downloading the SiriusXM app and tuning in to all Red Sox broadcasts if you have to miss the game. What will the 2024 season look like for Masataka Yoshida? Alex Cora seems to have developed a relationship with him that is respectable. They seem to like each other. They get along. Cora seems to like his playing style. He played all the time. He wasn't really going long periods of time during 2023 where he wasn't playing. And that is going to benefit him because the more exposure you get in that first season, the more comfortable you're going to be. So for a player like him, it was imperative to make sure he was getting as much playing time as he could during the 2023 season. Because of that, what does it all mean for 2024? 
I think he'll have a very similar season to what we saw in 2023. I'm not expecting him to degress, but I'm also not expecting him to get much better. I haven't seen enough proof yet that he's going to be able to hit those other types of pitches as much as his fastball. Yet, he needs to develop that skill before I can say he's going to have a better season. I don't think he'll be an all-star caliber player in 2024, but I think he'll be somebody who's well above average for the Boston Red Sox that goes up there and takes care of business and can generally be trusted. I'm not going to sit here and say he will be the Red Sox best hitter in 2024. I think there's a chance that that could happen, but I've seen other players that I liked in 2023 that I could see having a faster improvement process than him. So in terms of the numbers and what he will accomplish, I think we'll see a very similar stat line from him as we saw in 2023. He might look a little more comfortable out there because now he has a year under his belt in Major League Baseball, and that could end up making more of a difference than you think. That's still to be seen. He now knows a good portion of the players who are going to be on that team in 2024 because they're obviously not going to get rid of everybody and bring in a whole new group of people. So he'll know a lot of his teammates going into 2024, and that definitely is a factor in the reasoning for why I could see him being pretty successful and feeling more comfortable. From a baseball standpoint, feeling more comfortable to him might mean starting to show some improvement in his areas of weakness, but not being at the point where it's top notch or top caliber. And even with his defense, I don't expect his defense to improve that much. I actually think his defense will stay the same as where it's at until if this happens, they eventually do make him a DH and then his defense won't really matter anymore. But until then, I think his defense is primarily going to stay at the same level that it's been at because he's never really been able to be an effective defender. So I just feel like it's not his thing. It would be one thing if he was a good defender in Japan and then he came over here and he struggled in 2023. I would say, okay, it is hard to adjust to Fenway Park and that's a tough place to play and a very tough outfield to be in. So it's a big ask to have somebody come in and have to play in the outfield at Fenway Park and expect them to feel comfortable right away because that certainly is not the case. It's just such a big ballpark. And with the way that the outfield is designed at Fenway, it's just a difficult outfield to play in. So I would have understood if he came in and he just had those growing pains that I mentioned at the top of the show where he needed to find his footing first before being able to contribute confidently, then that's a little bit different. But the fact that even the reports coming out of Japan were saying that defense is his weakness, I say that doesn't change. I say he still ends up having to find a way to improve defensively. But on offense, I think we see a similar season to 2023 and there's certainly nothing wrong with that at all he definitely was one of the better and more accurate hitters in the boston red sox lineup he made contact a lot um he was a ground ball merchant is the only problem that is something that should be looked out for as he grounded to the second baseman a lot 
And hopefully he can cut down on that by changing his plate approach a little bit in 2024. But he is able to slide a lot of them past the infield and land himself on base with a base hit or a double. So if he can continue that, then I won't be disappointed in the season that he produces in 2024. If he can be like that, that's what I need to see from him. And then I'll be able to say, yeah, he's having a similar season to last year, so he'll probably be pretty consistent. Now he has a season under his belt. So any of the nerves or uncomfortability that comes with making the big move that he made and starting on a new team where you don't know anybody, now that all of that's gone, what can he do in 2024 to improve as a baseball player and put the Boston Red Sox in the best place to succeed? Because at the end of the day, their main goal is to get back to being a playoff caliber team. And with Masataka Yoshida healthy and at his best, he's certainly one of those players that can help get them there. So as always, do your best to keep the faith. This might be a long off season. It might not be. It's all up to Craig Breslow. But whatever does happen, keep the faith. Go Red Sox. And I will catch you on the flip side.